listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Don't you just love planning a holiday? Booking the flights, working out which hotel to stay at, thinking of all the fun activities, amazing food and fun family time that you'll get up to while you're away. But wait, you have to take some cameras. Which cameras are you going to choose? I had weeks and weeks to decide on which cameras I was going to take on my recent 12-night trip to Indonesia with the family, but I was still panicking about what to take the night before we left. Keep listening and find out how many cameras I took and how many I actually used. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Analog photography related. you doing? Greetings from sunny Brisbane. Uh, it's been a beautiful day here today for Anzac Day. Anzac Day is the 25th of April. It's a day, uh, it's a public holiday uh, in Australia and New Zealand and it's a day when we commemorate all of those who, who gave their lives, lost their lives uh, in wars and conflicts around the world. So it's our, our version of uh, Remembrance Day, I guess you could say. Uh, so it's actually been a really strange week because we've had three public holidays. We had Good Friday last week and then Easter Monday and then Anzac Day. Uh, so people are sort of going to work for one or two days at a time and having a public holiday, which is pretty cool, I guess. But uh, it's hard to keep track of uh, what day it is. Uh, on Monday, the public holiday, I actually guest starred on episode 225 of the Negative Positives podcast, um, which is being recorded in the Gutterman Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. So thanks so much to Mike Gutterman and to Bryce Randall, uh, who is co-captain this week, uh, for having me on the show. I really, really enjoyed it. If you haven't heard it, uh, head along to uh, Negative Positives in your podcast app and search particularly for show 225 and you'll hear more of my voice, which is probably what you've always wanted. Um, So just a quick recap. I'm Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. This podcast is all about analog photography. In many episodes of this show, I will review a different film or instant camera, telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use, and what kind of photos you can expect from it. In other episodes of the podcast, like today's, I will chat about a particular topic in film photography, and today's is my experiences shooting film on holidays. You can see the show notes for every episode of Matt Loves Cameras on the website mattlovescameras.com, along with the show's Instagram account, you can also follow at mattlovescameras. let me tell you all about our recent family holiday to Indonesia. So in February this year, we realized um, that we hadn't had a family holiday away uh, for quite some time, like 18 months or something like that. And we just paid off my four-wheel drive. We owed uh, quite a bit of money on a lease payment, but we paid that off and we thought, right, let's celebrate. Let's go on holidays together. So we booked 12 nights to beautiful Indonesia, which is a country to the north of Australia. For those of you who aren't too familiar with where Indonesia is, 
Uh, it's only a couple hours, I think, from Darwin or maybe three or four hours from Perth. Um, but this side of the country, Brisbane, uh, Bali is around five and a half, six hours from Brisbane. So it's not too far. It's just uh, far enough to be uh, nice and tropical, um, but it's not too far away. It's not like um, yeah, mega long trip. So we decided to spend uh, seven of those nights in Bali where we were going to land and also five nights in Java. Now, Indonesia is, uh, as I said, Indonesia is one of Australia's nearest neighbours, has a population of something like 264 million people. So it's the world's fourth most populous country. There's over 18,000 islands that make up the country, although there's probably only a handful where the majority of people live. And um, it's just a, it's a beautiful, wonderful, kind of chaotic, crazy place. Uh, and I, I love visiting Indonesia. So naturally, when you're thinking about a holiday, you start thinking about what kind of camera gear you're going to take. Now, last time I, last two times I went to Indonesia, once by myself, once with the family, it was pretty easy to work out what I was taking because I was only shooting digital back then. Um, so I knew that I was taking two or three uh, Fujifilm X-Series camera bodies and, you know, four maybe lenses, maybe five, depending on how big they were. And obviously, you know, batteries, memory cards, all that kind of thing. The problem is, though, when you start mixing up your formats. So now that uh, I'm much more into film photography again and instant photography than I was, um, you know, three, three and a half years ago, I now start thinking about what kind of digital cameras I'm taking, what kind of film cameras I'm taking, what kind of instant cameras I'm taking. And, you know, once you start mixing up your formats, (laughs) that's when I think you get in a whole world of trouble. So let me tell you what I took. In my carry-on bag, I have a Think Tank Airport Essentials bag, which I absolutely love. So in that bag, I took my Fujifilm X100F. This is a fixed lens digital camera with a beautiful F2 uh, Fujinon lens. It's one of my favorite cameras of all time. I absolutely love it. And I hadn't taken it um, the last two times I went to Indonesia, so I decided that was coming with me. The next one I took was the Fujifilm X-T3 with the telephoto lens, uh, the 50-140 to f2.8 telephoto lens. I absolutely love telephoto lenses and I'd never taken this particular lens to Indonesia with me, so that was coming aboard as well. Even though the lens itself weighs almost a kilo and the body weighs maybe 700 grams, So, you know, already we've got about, you know, along with the bag, we've got about two kilograms in the bag already with the X100F and the X-T3. To those two cameras, I added some batteries and memory cards. All of the batteries for the Fujifilm cameras were the same, and I had to take them in my carry-on luggage. And then I filled the rest of the bag with film stuff. So I decided I really wanted to take a Polaroid. So I was tossing it up between the Polaroid SLR 680 and my SX70, but the SLR 680 um, got to the nod. So I put that into my backpack along with some Polaroid 600 film. I took my Olympus LT1, which of course, if you've listened to episode four, you've already heard about. 
Now, I think I told you guys that I dropped it. Um, it's still kind of going strong, <laughs> but it's um, went in my backpack. Um, one of the main reasons is because, of course, I am shooting as part of the Frugal Film Project, where a group of us photographers all around the world, uh, each, each one of us is shooting with um, the same camera and film for the entire year. Now, every, sorry, I should say that I'm shooting with Olympus LT1 and Kodak Gold 200, for the whole year and then other photographers are shooting with their choice of camera and their choice of film for the whole year so we're not all shooting with Olympus LT1s we're all um, shooting with our own different cameras and film and every uh, every month we choose six images to go into the Frugal Film Project which you can see at rr1photography.com so yeah so film stuff uh, I also took my Fuji film class S which of course you've heard about probably in one of my episodes already and there will be a full review of that coming very soon and the only other camera we took as part of our carry-on was the Instax Mini 9 which is my daughter's new camera um, she has an Instax, Instax Mini 8 it was like a beautiful raspberry colour she doesn't like the colour anymore so dad has to sell it for her and I got her a white uh, Instax Mini 9 it's a smoky white smoky white Instax Mini 9 and um, it, they kind of hold their value pretty well so the changeover in terms of money isn't going to be that bad now, in my checked luggage, um, oh, sorry, I also forgot in Carry On, I took all the film. So I had 100 sheets of Instax mini film. I had seven packs of Polaroid Originals 600 film. I had probably about 15 rolls of 35mm film. And I had Kodak Ektar, Fujifilm Superior 1600. I had a roll of Ektachrome, a roll of Cine Still 800. I had some weird expired slide film from Kodak from years ago. Um, I had Kodak Gold 200, three rolls of that. What else did I have? I think that's pretty much it. So I had this big bag of film. Now in checked luggage. So a lot of this stuff that I put in my checked luggage was me in panic mode. <laughs> so what I had in the checked luggage, I had um, my Mi Photo tripod. Mi Photo tripod um, is a beautiful gr- little green tripod. It uh, goes down really nice and small. It's great for traveling. And I put that in my checked luggage. Uh, I only used it a couple of times though. Um, I had my remote release for my Polaroid camera. I recently bought an SX70 uh, accessories kit, which came with a remote release for the Polaroids. And I put that in there. I bought, uh, brought along, sorry, my robot toy camera, which I picked up off Facebook Marketplace for $2. So I put that in my checked-in luggage just in case I wanted to play around with it on holidays. I took some of my Nisi filters for my uh, digital gear. I took a couple of point-and-shoots. I took a Yashka Minitech, um, which is a cool little camera I picked up off the interwebs. I also took my Canon AFML 35, which is uh, an amazing camera, point and shoot with a fast f1.9 lens. And when I was in full panic mode, I also put another digital camera and lens in my checked luggage. I put my Fujifilm X-T2 with the beautiful 18 to 55 lens because I was kind of panicking over what I might need. So I took 10 cameras all up. Would you like to guess how many I actually used on holidays? Okay, you got your answer? I'm going to reveal now. Drum roll. That's a terrible drum roll. I only used six. 
I only use six. So I never used the X-T2 with the 18 to 55 lens. It stayed in my checked luggage the whole time. I never used the Canon AFML 35. Uh, I actually tried to use it on one occasion and I forgot that I'd taken the batteries out and it didn't work because it had no batteries. I never used the Yashka Minitech uh, that stayed in my bag the whole time and I never used the robot cat toy camera either. So long story short, I really only used the stuff that I took in my carry-on. Um, so that's the X100F, X-T3 with the 50 to 140, the Polaroid SLR 680, the Olympus LT1, the Fujifilm Class S, and also my daughter's Instax Mini 9. Uh, even those six cameras, I mean, a lot of people would say that is way too many cameras to be taking on holidays. And you know what? I'd kind of agree with you. Um, I think the majority of shots I actually took were on my X100F. Um, I did use the X-T3 with the 50 to 140 quite a bit in different um, circumstances. And I also made myself get my film cameras out and take some cool shots with them as well. Um, so I think there is a lesson there in that, you know what, don't take too many cameras. Don't be an idiot like me. Um, but um, there you go. That's what I did. <laughs> and in the next little segment, I'm going to tell you about little places we went to, what I shot. I'm going to talk you through some of the Polaroid photos that I took. And I'll also talk to you about X-ray machines while on holiday. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So let's tackle uh, the x-ray issue first. So if you've ever been in a Facebook photography group, you've probably seen a thread started by someone. uh, They happen all the time. Hey, I'm going on holiday. Can I take my film with me? Will it be ruined by the x-ray machine? So of course, the general rule is that film under ISO 800 will not be affected by uh, x-rays. If you take it in your your carry-on and it goes through the machine, it'll be fine. So I actually had two rolls of film that were 800 or above. And you know what? I got to the airport. Was We got to the airport really early. The day we left it was like 5 a.m. or something ridiculous. And I wasn't going to bother. But I thought, no, I've actually got, along with my Sydney Still 800, I've also got a roll of Superior 1600. So I put them in a clear plastic Ziploc bag. And I actually asked for a hand inspection uh, at the security place at Brisbane Airport. I thought, oh, I'll probably say no. But they, you know what? They actually said yes. They had a look at it and they, they actually put it through for me. So that was one hand inspection done. I actually then had three more hand inspections done on the next three flights we did. So outbound from Bali to Jogjakarta. I had one done there at Bali Domestic Airport. And they did a hand inspection, no problem whatsoever. And then uh, a few days later from Jogjakarta back to Bali, uh, they inspected it there by hand, no problems whatsoever. And then when we left Bali International on the way back to Brisbane, they did a fourth inspection by hand. And once again, my little Sinister 800 and my Superior 1600 went through no problem at all via a hand inspection. So you can you can do it. Um, you know what? I think even if they went through the machines, I think they would have been fine. But I asked very politely and with a smile on my face four times for hand inspections for that high-speed film and four times people, uh, they were absolutely um, great in accommodating that. 
So now I'll give you a little rundown of the holiday. Now, I do have some photos to talk about. And given that it's Polaroid week, yes, it's Polaroid week, I'm only going to be talking about the Polaroids that I shot on holiday in this episode. Um, I'll do another episode later on when I get my 35mm photos developed. So when we got to Bali, uh, we actually got there in the early afternoon. There was a bit of a mix-up with the person who was supposed to pick us up from the airport, which was extremely frustrating. And uh, we actually sat about Bali Airport for an hour and a half waiting for this person to turn up, which was very uh, frustrating because there was literally dozens of taxi drivers around us begging to take us somewhere. And because we booked and paid for this transfer in advance, uh, we were stuck there until they turned up. It was very annoying. So we went up to Bar- to Ubud. Uh, Ubud's about an hour and a half away from uh, Bali Airport. It's a beautiful little hill town surrounded by green rice fields, lots of activities, lots of great restaurants, um, really cool place to stay. So we got up to Ubud, and I think the first couple of days, really, we were just sort of settling in, you know, walking around the town, going to the markets. And I think most of the photography in the first couple of days was uh, digital that I took. I took a few, um, you know, film shots here and there with my LT1 maybe and my uh, Fujifilm Class S, but that's really uh, all I did. Uh, and then after a couple of days, we had to switch hotel, and we went to this beautiful resort. Uh, with five different pools. We've been there once before and the kids really wanted to go back. So I was really looking forward to taking some cool photos of the kids in the pools. And there's one with a beautiful frangipani tree and a diving board and there's an infinity pool. And I was really looking forward to it. Uh, And my son was in the water for about 10 minutes and then he'd come out really quite upset and he had red marks on his neck and his elbows, uh, the inside of his elbows. Uh, really like and looked like he had like welts on his elbows like really raised skin and everything was going red and blotchy and so we gave him some antihistamine and wondered what the hell was going on and then the next morning we thought right when we're not going back to that pool we're going we'll go to the infinity pool instead maybe there was something in there that that disagreed with him Uh, and so the next morning we went to the infinity pool Beautiful, beautiful infinity pool. In the morning, there was actually a lot of Chinese tourists there, young ladies in bikinis, getting their Instagram photos done, which was kind of funny to watch. And my son was in the pool for about, uh, you know, a few minutes, and he he came out screaming, and uh, his arms and his neck were really hurting him again. Long story short, we took him to a local doctor, and um, he'd had an allergic reaction to the chlorine in the pool which was just bizarre. I mean, we've been to a lot of pools around Australia. We've been to quite a few pools in Indonesia. Never, ever had a problem before. Um, But at the pools at this resort, aggravated his skin. And he hasn't got amazingly sensitive skin, but um, yeah, he he does get a bit of eczema a little bit now and again. So it was really, really strange. So the first four days of the holiday really were us sort of settling in, going out for dinner for my wife's birthday, looking at the markets and um, trying to work out what the hell was causing this problem with my son's skin. Then the third place we stayed at, Nubud, um, we actually stayed uh, three different places, two nights each, which which is not something I'd recommend, by the way, but that's just how it happened at the time. The third place was a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, lovely villa. They brought you breakfast to your villa every morning on the outside patio. 
was a beautiful pool that run down the length of all the villas. It's about 40 or 50 meters long. Uh, and I actually took quite a few Polaroids of the kids at this villa. Um, so I turned the flash on for some of these. Um, and where are they? Here they are. So the first one I want to talk about is one of my daughter. She's on these beautiful um, colored like pool pillows. Um, so one of them is like pink that she's on. There's also a yellow one and a blue one. Uh, I think the colors look great. She's got a great smile on her face and the Polaroid flash did a great job there. Uh, there's another one there of my son and my daughter. And they're on, again, they're on the edge of the pool. And you can see the sort of pool pillows in the background. I'd actually got them to try... Uh, to put the pool pillows in the background on purpose so we've got a bit of colour in the photo behind them um, but the pool pillows kept floating away so it took us quite a few goes to get that right and I'll also include one of the, the villa itself uh, it was a lovely villa with this beautiful pool uh, the colours on this one are particularly amazing but um, it, it, I quite like the photo I think I actually took this I think I waded into the pool very carefully and took this about waist deep in the pool um, of the villa so that was a bit scary with my Polaroid but everything turned out fine on the second last day um, before we left Bali I actually did a little walk um, on Camp Puhan Ridge I hope I said that right I was not the only person at Campuhan Ridge Ubered that morning. There was a lot of people out there walking, walking their dogs. There was one couple who had a drone and the lady was in athletic gear and she ran the same stretch of the path 30 or 40 times while the drone went overhead. I don't know what they were shooting for, but um, yeah, it had this buzz of a drone over the top all the time, which was a bit annoying. Uh, and I, having said that, I have a drone, so <laughs> uh, but it was a bit annoying. Um, but I really enjoyed taking photos at Campy Pan Ridge uh, in Ubud. I've got a Polaroid one here I'm talking about. If you have a look uh, on mattlovescameras.com. Uh, and actually, one of my photos, I think while I was away, I only posted one photo on my digital Instagram, my, my Fuji X Instagram, which is at Matt Loves, M-A-T-T-L-O-V-E-S. And that was a photo of Campuhan Ridge in Ubud. Uh, and it actually got um, shared by um, a big account called World Nomads. Uh, so World Nomads shared my picture, uh, literally the only photo I posted on my account when I was away. So that was pretty cool. Moving along, um, the next one is of a temple that we went to. It's called Titra Ampul. It's a Hindu Balinese water temple, uh, and it's about 20, 25 minutes north of Ubud. And the water at this temple is considered the holiest in Bali. So people come along and they, uh, they wash themselves and pray under each of these sort of water fountains. And a lot of people actually come and also take uh, containers of water home because the water is considered uh, so holy. So it's a really fascinating place to go and have a look. There's obviously a lot of locals there, um, you know, washing in this um, this temple. There's also a lot of tourists do it as well these days. And my, my challenge is always not to get any tourists in my photos. I only really want Balinese people in my photos. So I took a, a, a picture of a family in the temple together there. Um, so I, I quite like that photo. Another temple we went to was the Elephant Cave Temple. Uh, it was so hot and humid. And we walked down these steps 
And um, we sort of got halfway and then my, my wife and my daughter said, no, we're not going any further. <laughs> so me and my son trudged on and we there's actually two hem- temples there. There's a Hindu temple and there's a Buddhist temple. So we trudged on to the Buddhist one, down these steps and back up these other steps. And there was a little old lady there and she gave us a blessing. She doused us in water and put rice on our heads and on our, on our necks as well. And um, and then I would come down the stairs, and I was I was like it was like I had someone tipped a bucket of water over my head. I was so hot and sweaty, like uh, it was such a humid day. And on the way out, we actually stopped at this stand where people were selling some fruit and drinks, some locals. And it was a little girl, probably only six or seven years old, and she asked us if we wanted to buy anything. Uh, so I actually bought um, some dragon fruit off her, and uh, they actually sliced it open for us right there. Dragon fruit's like um, a pink fruit. And um, I actually took a photo of the rest of the dragon fruit in the bowl there. So this is the next photo I want to talk about. It's a Polaroid photo of some Indonesian fruits. Um, very tropical fruits you get in Indonesia. Everywhere you go, there's, there's fruits everywhere. At the side of the road, at stand, at stalls at the side of the road, for breakfast, for dinner, everywhere there's fruit. And there's usually uh, lychees. So lychees are the ones at the back of this photo. Uh, the ones in the top right or the middle right of the photo are dragon fruit. Dragon fruit is very popular in Indonesia. And the ones at the bottom left, I'm not sure about. Uh, there could be mangosteens. There's a lot of mangosteens in Indonesia. I'm not sure if they're mangosteens or not. Uh, but you find some wonderful fruit that you don't see as much here in Australia, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So as well as my instant photography uh, in Bali when we stayed in Ubud for six nights, I did do quite a bit of 35 mil as well. Um, I started my role of Cine Steel 800 in my Fujifilm Class S. I took a few photos with my um, LT1 and the Kodak Gold. My daughter took quite a lot of Instax Mini 9 photos. Uh, I was getting a little bit frustrated in Ubud. I was thinking I'm not really taking that many photos. Um, but then I, I kind of had the realization that, look, this is a family holiday. Uh, you know, when you go on a photography trip, I'm always out there all times of the day and night taking photos. But when you're with a family trip, uh, you know, you're, you're playing with the kids in the pool, which, which obviously you can take photos of. But, you know, um, it's a different kind of trip than a photography trip. So I had to reconcile that in my mind and not trying to put myself down too much that I wasn't taking that many photos. out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com if you're on instagram come say hi at mattlovescameras or if you fancy getting in touch drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com So after six nights in wonderful Ubud, we went back to Denpasar Airport in Bali and we flew one and a half hours to the west to Java, which I believe is the most populous island in all of Indonesia. It's the island where the capital Jakarta is. Uh, but we were not going to Jakarta. We went to the some the, the city some call the cultural heart of Indonesia, which is Yogyakarta or Jogjakarta, depending on how you want to say it. So it's written with a Y's, so it's Yogyakarta. It looks like Yogyakarta, 
but a lot of people will say Jogjakarta. Uh, and so you never really know what you're supposed to call the place. Uh, and on, on top of that, it actually gets shortened quite a lot to Jogja. Um, so I'd actually been there in 2016, uh, May 2016 by myself. Absolutely loved the place. And I thought I'd take the family back. So we arrived at Jogjakarta Airport. Uh, we had our car waiting outside the airport this time. Thank goodness. Uh, but then it was a two-hour trip in the traffic um, to a little hill town of Borobudur. Um, so what happened was it, we hit sort of afternoon peak traffic around Jogjakarta, which was pretty bad. Thousands upon thousands of scooters everywhere. It was a bit different, um, Java, the traffic in Java. There's actually sort of big motorway kind of things in, in Java, you know, multi-lane roads. The, la- the roads in Bali are very small. They're very like single lane roads. The traffic is incredibly slow in Bali. In Jogjakarta, it was moving a bit more freely and we were a bit optimistic. It wouldn't take that long to get to Borobudur. It actually took two hours because there was a road closed and we had to go around the long way. So we arrived just on dusk uh, and we arrived at this beautiful little place uh, which had about eight or ten villas and it was sort of twinkling amongst the rice fields and we actually had a villa, we had two villas actually um, because they weren't quite big enough for the four of us. So me and my daughter stayed in one and my wife and my son stayed in the other one. Uh, and it was really, really lovely. They cooked us dinner. Uh, we had satay chicken and nasi goreng, which is fried rice and curry potatoes. And then for dessert, they offered us cheesecake and everyone except me said, yes, we'll have cheesecake. Uh, it was really odd though. It was kind of like a sponge cake with cheese in the middle. <laughs> it wasn't like the cheesecake we get at home. Um, but, uh, it, it was a really amazing experience. And then we went to bed and then, at 4.30 the next morning, uh, it was pitch black dark because the sun comes up around, in Java, the sun comes up around 5.30. Uh, but at 4.30, the mosques start up. So in close proximity to our hotel, there are two or three different mosques. And let me tell you, when you hear that call to the holy from a mosque at 4.30 a.m., uh, when you can usually hear a pin drop, it is extremely loud. And it woke, even though we were in different villas, it, it both woke up um, my wife and I. And she actually messaged me through Facebook Messenger. And But oh my gosh, it was so loud. I, I don't know how the kids stayed asleep. The next morning we had breakfast and we decided to have a bit of a lazy day. Just chilling by the pool, enjoying the countryside sort of scenes. Um, and then in the afternoon... Uh, what we did was we walked around to Borobudur Temple. So Borobudur, I'm just going to read from Wikipedia here. Borobudur is a 9th century Buddhist temple um, not far from the town of Borobudur. It's, world, it's the world's largest Buddhist temple. Um, and the temple consists of nine stacked platforms, six square and three circular, topped by a central dome. It has over 2,600 relief panels, which are beautiful um, panels with little um, carvings in telling the stories of, of Buddha and Buddhism. And there are 504 Buddha statues. The central dome is surrounded by 72 Buddha statues, each inside a stupa, which is like a bell sort of shape. So the reason I've told you that is because this is going to explain a couple of the photos that I'm about to talk to you about. 
So the first photo is of some wonderful colours, the silhouettes of those stupas uh, with some beautiful colours at Borobudur at sunset. So I took this on my Polaroid SLR 680. No flash was fired. So the stupas, which I can't, they look like bells, I guess you could say. My mum my always calls them bells. Um, so these bells, inside these bells around the top of this ancient Buddhist monument, um, inside them are actually statues of Buddha. So if you look, if you sort of peer inside them, you'll actually see Buddha inside there. Um, so there you go. That's a picture of the silhouette of the stupas at Borobudur. And the sky has got some beautiful kind of pink, blue kind of shades going on there. And the next one down is a picture of one of the Buddha statues. Uh, there's a stupa there in the background. And even further in the background, you can see some of the Javanese hills with some of the pretty colors there. Um, so that particular one, uh, the stupa had actually been removed. Uh, I think it might have been one of the ones that um, had been attacked in a terrorist attack in Borobudur many years ago, um, but there's not many of the Buddha statues you can actually see um, who are out in the open like this one, um, but this is one of the, the two uh, statues that you can see. So that was a really magical experience. Um, I shot quite a bit of film uh, during the sunset tour at Borobudur. The colours were absolutely beautiful. The Polaroid film, I really liked the Polaroids I took up there, but it didn't really do the colours of the sunset justice on the film. Um, I'm hoping that my uh, Fujifilm Class S and my Olympus LT1 will hopefully have captured those colours a little bit better. I know certainly the, the, the photos I took from my Fujifilm X uh, digital cameras did capture them a bit better and I'm really happy with them and I can't wait to get back some of the, uh, the 35mm photos I took when I was at the Sunset Tour at Borobudur. So after the tour to Borobudur, uh, we sort of had dinner in the, the Borobudur sort of restaurant place. It was pretty terrible. It was included in the, the price of our, our sunset ticket, but it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, we actually asked them to ring us a taxi because my wife wasn't feeling well and it was pitch black dark and it was about only about two kilometers back to the hotel, but it wasn't really great for walking. It was a lot of walking was on the road and stuff like that. So all of a sudden we got told that there was someone from the hotel um, to pick us up and we went outside and there was this bright red shiny car, um, a very sort of sporty posh sort of car for Indonesia and we got in and the, the guy was really friendly and I said, oh, can you stop at the local mini mart? I want to get some, <laughs> some lemonade and some stuff like that um, and some chocolate for the kids and he obliged and on the way back he said, oh, um, do you like the, the the hotel you're staying at? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. It's lovely. And he said, oh, that's good. Um, I'm, I'm, my name's Mehdi. I'm the owner. Uh, <laughs> so the owner of the, the hotel had actually come out to pick us up when, we, when he'd heard that we were at Borobudur and we wanted a taxi. And he didn't charge us. He actually come picked us up for free. That was really, really lovely. He was a really nice guy. So the next morning after that, we actually had booked a little tour around the villages. And I'd actually done this in 2016 and I'd done it by motorbike. So I was in the back of this little scooter with this guy and we did a tour of the villages, which was absolutely fascinating. Um, now, because there was four of us, um, we actually had the choice of doing it in the car or doing it in a like a horse-drawn carriage. So I asked my wife and she said, a horse-drawn carriage? 
Um, when the horse-drawn carriage had turned up, I think she wished she'd chosen the car because we felt a bit, we felt pretty bad. The the horse wasn't a huge horse. The carriage was tiny. We only just fit in the carriage, all four of us. Uh, we actually had an English tour guide as well, and he had a bicycle behind us. Um, so in this little horse and trap, we had the the horse driver. You know, uh, there was the four of us. Um, and cycling behind us was English tour guide, English speaking tour guide. So um, the tour of the villages was actually really good. We we went to see some local pottery and we sort of made some pottery. We went to see um, where they make tofu, uh, and then we also went to the market. Uh, and it was really cool. Uh, I absolutely loved going to the market. Um, it was a really kind of ramshackle place full of all sorts of fruits, vegetables, food, meat, you name it. It was in there. Lots of uh, ladies, uh, women and children in the marketplace. And um, the light in the marketplace was just absolutely beautiful. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and when I was actually in the, the marketplace, um, I heard this music and there was actually this guy just buying some stuff and uh, he was playing a ukulele. So let me play a little bit for you. This is recorded on my iPhone, so it's not very good, but listen to this. Oh, that's the wrong track. (laughs) Hang on, let's try it again. Is it this one? So there you go. That's the uh, the sounds of Borobudur Marketplace. And I actually took uh, quite a lot of photos in there. I had Cine Still 800 in my Fujifilm Class S. And what else did I take? Um, I feel like I had another camera. Oh, I had my X100F, my digital camera. I think every other camera I had had slower film in. And there was just no way that I was going to um, get many shots without firing the flash off. There's also um, an election going on uh, in Indonesia at the time. I think we were about a week out uh, from the election when we were there. And so everywhere we, we went in Borobudur, it was, it was beautiful and peaceful. And then there was these guys representing one of the uh, political parties uh, on these motorbikes. And th- th- I think they'd taken their, the exhausts or the mufflers off their, their bikes they were so freaking loud. It was just like, you know, they were 100 metres away and we'd have to put our fingers in our ears. Um, let me just, I'll play you a tiny bit of this. Listen to this. Oh man, it was horrible. It was just so loud and obnoxious. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that's what we had to contend with uh, in the in the run up to that election, which was um, kind of funny. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So following our tour of the markets and the villages around Borobudur, we took a car back to Jogjakarta. Uh, so Jogjakarta is a big city in Indonesia, about two, three million people live there. And we stayed at a beautiful, beautiful hotel called the Phoenix Hotel, uh, part of the Sofitel group. I'd stayed there before and absolutely loved it. 
And when the family got there, they loved it as well. There's a couple of different sort of heritage buildings and the main sort of heritage building is like a U-shape and at the bottom of the U, there's like a beautiful pool. Uh, so I took um, from our room, we actually had one of the rooms overlooking, we had, oh, sorry, we had two rooms. Like once again, uh, there was no family room, so we had to book two rooms. So we had two rooms with balconies overlooking the pool. And um, one day when the kids were in the pool, I actually took some long exposures with my Polaroid 680, uh, SLR 680. Uh, So this is the first time that I've ever taken long exposures with my Polaroid. So I got my little tripod out, put that up by the pool, um, and then I put the remote release in from the SX70 accessories kit. And I took two long exposures. So the first one I've put up on the the show notes, it doesn't look that impressive, to be honest. Uh, The pool looks a bit dark, and then the top half of the photo looks a bit bright. Um, But then a few minutes later, uh, because of course a Polaroid film these days, you have to wait ages to see how the photo turned out. So about after about 10 minutes, after I saw what the first one turned out, I thought, I want to take another one. And the lights had sort of come on a bit more by then. I also moved the light and darken wheel a bit towards the light in a little bit and I took another exposure and I'm really, really happy with the next exposure. It shows the pool of the hotel and the hotel itself with the lights on and I think it looks absolutely great and I saw that exposure and thought, wow, that's amazing. I love that. Uh, I then went down the road later on and I went to to like a traffic island which has a lot of traffic and I did the same thing. I took one exposure with it, uh, the exposure wheel in the middle, in the center. And I took that and then I waited for a few minutes and I had a look at it and I thought, oh, I can't really tell yet, but it looks a bit dark. So then I retook the photo again, but I moved the exposure wheel, like the light and darken wheel, all the way to the lighten, so to give it more light. And then I sort of timed it a bit better this time. I took the exposure just as all this traffic was going past and the shot looks really, really cool. Uh, I'm really, really happy with it. So um, it's only the first, these are the first four photos I've taken with Polaroid cameras using that shutter release, Um, but I'm really happy with them and I'm really looking forward to taking more long exposure Polaroids in the future. The next shot is a uh, another World Heritage Site. This is the Hindu temple just outside Jogjakarta of Prambanan, uh, which is a series of sort of Hindu temples, quite amazing, beautiful architecture. Uh, and we went there in the morning. It was really hot and humid again. Uh, once again, my daughter got asked for a lot of photos uh, from the locals, um, but she sort of smiled and got on with it, which is great. And then just as we were leaving, I thought, right, I'm going to take a photo of the temple with the Polaroid um, SLR 680. Um, so I took the photo. There's a few of those marks um, on the on the front there, those sort of bright marks. Um, I think it gives it a bit of mystic beauty to the shot, maybe. You know, you can imagine the Hindu gods maybe creating that kind of mark. I don't know. I'm just making it up. But I, I quite like the shot of the temple. The, the, the colours aren't particularly great. It was a bit of a cloudy day, so there was no bright blue sky or whatever. Um, but I, I, I quite like this shot. And the last couple of shots I'll talk you through are when we got back to Bali. So we went back to Bali on the Sunday morning. 
and we stayed at a resort for about uh, 24 hours, just right near the airport, just before we headed home. So the first one here was actually a really beautiful day. It was really nice and sunny. And I took a picture of some palm trees uh, looking at the, the ocean there with the pool in the foreground. I quite like the photo, but it's turned out a little bit darker than I thought. Um, it was actually taken uh, right in the middle of the light and darken wheel. Uh, but for some reason, it does look a little bit dark. Um, so I might have to err on the side of uh, lighten uh, next time I take a shot with no flash. And the last one is of my beautiful family. This was most certainly taken with the flash. Uh, they were playing volleyball in the pool. Uh, so my son's there with the volleyball on top of his head. And then my wife at the back and my daughter in the front. And I really love that. Um, I do really love using the Polaroid just for taking snapshots. Uh, with the flash on, it does such a great job. Um, so, yeah, that is the story of my 12-night holiday in Indonesia through my Polaroids. Now, I do have some rolls of film here. I've got a couple of rolls of Kodak Gold. I've got the roll of Cinestill 800, and I've got the roll of Fujifilm Superior 1600. And I took those rolls of film in my Olympus LT1 and my Fujifilm Class S. So I will do another episode, um, just rounding off uh, the holiday um, with images illustrated by those two cameras. And of course, as I keep saying, there will be a review soon of the Fujifilm Class S, so look forward to that. So just a couple of little shout outs to finish off the show. So I think I said earlier this week is Polaroid week. I haven't done much for Polaroid week. You know, you probably were expecting me to do something given that I love my Polaroid and instant cameras. But you know, for me, almost every week's Polaroid week. So I guess it's not nothing that much special, right? Um, but it is in the midst of Polaroid week at the moment. There's one in spring and one in autumn. So this is the Northern Hemisphere spring week. Um, and of course the Southern Hemisphere Autumn Week. So post up some photos. Uh, I'll be looking through the hashtag later on um, to see some really, really cool instant photos. I, I love looking through them. Another photography day coming up this Sunday is April 28th, World Pinhole Day. So many years ago, probably around 2011-12, when I had that disastrous um, Chica half-frame camera, uh, which I spoke about in Negative Positives episode 225, um, I also tried to build my own pinhole camera, and it was a disaster because I am rubbish at building things. Why pretend? Why you know? Why try and be something I'm not? <laughs> I'm completely crap at making things. Um, so I did see Mike Gutterman post up on uh, the Negative Positives uh, Facebook group about a Holger uh, wide pinhole that Amazon was selling. I was looking into buying one, but they don't actually ship to Australia um, because I think it's not actually Amazon selling them at someone else and they don't sell to Australia. But then I had a rummage through my camera collection. I actually bought five Lomography cameras off a guy about six months ago here in Brisbane. And yes, I was correct in my thinking. One of them is a pinhole camera. It's a Holger 135 PC. Uh, so it's a pinhole camera. Um, F175 
says the lens. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm going to load that up on Sunday and I'm going to go take some pinhole photos and I'm really looking forward to it because uh, every other time I've tried to do it, uh, it has ended in disaster. Uh, I think I actually tried to take some on my Diana as well. Uh, I spoke about that on Negative Positives. That was the comp- worst rolls of film I've ever taken on my Diana. Um, so I'm not sure I want to keep that camera. Uh, actually, I'll probably have another go with it just to try and see if I can tame it. And finally, one more shout out uh, to Graham Young and his Get Started with Film Photography podcast. Graham is one half of Nick and Graham's Homemade Camera Podcast, which is very, very entertaining and informative. And Graham now has his own little podcast or own big podcast called Get Started with Film Photography, which I have loved listening to. Uh, and even though I've been involved in film photography for a couple of decades, I find it very informative. So uh, it's not just for people starting out, I would suggest. So have a look for that in your podcast app. That's it for episode nine of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my little travels around Indonesia and talking about the uh, the Polaroid photos that I took. There will be a part two of this show coming up soon when I talk through my photos taken with my 35mm cameras. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting about my holiday. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you only like the camera reviews, don't worry. They are coming back and they're coming thick and fast very soon, I promise. Uh, as well as some more film emulsion reviews as well. That's it from me. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. forward slash Cassie NMZ. Check the show notes for the link.